This week, let's talk about using PR to raise the profile of financial advisors. My guest is David Wright, and this is episode 272 of the Marketing and Finance Podcast. This podcast is all about keeping marketing simple and all things finance. I'm Roger Edwards, a professional speaker and consultant from Edinburgh. Talk to me if you want to cut the complexity and the BS from your marketing strategy. Hello and welcome to the Marketing and Finance Podcast. Thank you, as always, for downloading or streaming the show. I really do appreciate you taking the time to plugging me and my guests into your earphones. If you enjoy the Marketing and Finance podcast and you'd like to support the show, I'd be really grateful if you consider buying my book. It's called Cats, Mats and Marketing Plans. And it's all about how to put together a simple marketing strategy and to avoid complexity as your business grows. If you fancy buying a copy, just go to rogeredwards.co.uk forward slash book. That's rogeredwards.co.uk forward slash book. And you can either buy a paperback or a Kindle edition. Now, you know, when I was a marketing director working in big corporate, I was involved in all aspects of the marketing mix, product development, advertising, communications, content. But one of the parts of the marketing mix that I enjoyed the most was PR, public relations, speaking to journalists, writing placed articles, appearing in in video interviews. And of course, the power of PR is just as relevant, if not more relevant today, as it was when I was there working in big corporate. So I'm absolutely delighted to be talking to an expert in PR today on the show. So let's get straight into that interview with David right here on the Marketing and Finance Podcast. See what I did there. David Wright, welcome to the Marketing and Finance Podcast. Thank you for having me, Roger. Now, David, you are way over there, over the pond in the United States, in the Detroit area, and uh, you represent a company called M&O Marketing, and you work specifically with financial advisors. And today we're going to talk a little bit about PR techniques and how to generate new customers, new clients using PR. But before we get into that, David, give the listeners of the Marketing and Finance podcast a little bit of background about yourself, where you came from, how your career developed, and basically what makes David Wright tick? Sure, I would love to. <clears throat> I actually, after serving in the Marine Corps for four years, I was going to college for marketing and finance. And as I was going to college, I picked up a local magazine that typically will uh, do stories on new businesses in the area and do nice little business spotlights. And in the magazine, I saw one of my friends had recently started a, a marketing company. It was a new startup. So I reached out to him to uh, figure out if I, I might be a fit for the company while I was going to school. And I started to work for him. Well, little did I know, I was thinking it was just your general marketing or advertising type of job, but it was actually marketing financial products. Okay. So I worked with him under an independent insurance agent in the field for a few years. Uh, they ended up relocating to North Carolina. 
I just wasn't ready to relocate at the time. So I looked around, I really fell in love with the industry. I had a passion for helping financial advisors. And that's when I found Emma Doe. So I've been with Emma Doe for five years now as an executive director of practice development. And Emma Doe Marketing is one of the largest and the longest standing independent insurance brokerage and marketing organization within the US. So we work with high growth firms, small independent business owners who are financial advisors and really want to scale their business. And we've really revolutionized the way that media outlets and financial advisors have interacted with each other. One of the things that always comes up when I talk to financial advisors in the United Kingdom, and and indeed this subject has come up on the Marketing and Finance podcast a few times, is that financial advisors are not very good at marketing their own businesses. Now, whilst that might be true, it isn't actually a fair statement to make because on the whole, financial advisors are financial advisors. They're good at giving financial advice and they should stick to what they're good at. Now, if they want to market their business, then maybe they should hire some dedicated marketing resource. Uh, And that's one of the solutions to it. Or as an individual, they could learn some of the marketing techniques. Do you find a similar sort of thing happening over there in the States? Is Is that a similar situation? Yeah, I would say that's extremely common. You know, advisors by nature, they're really good at you know, analyzing portfolios and making recommendations and, you know, where to allocate what. Uh, And they're great at building relationships and gathering assets. But at the end of the day, uh, when it comes to bridging the gap between that entrepreneurial mind and the analytical advisory mind to that of a business owner, that's really where we come into place is to help facilitate that. Because, Advisors should spend time on the things that they are good at. They should spend time meeting with people and gathering assets and and helping people with their financial plans and allow their partners or an outside source to really lend their expertise for whatever whatever craft they've mastered. So sometimes it is better to just delegate those, those activities. That way you can focus on doing what you're good at. And of course, the fact that many of them don't means that there is a massive opportunity for those of them who do want to hire in some resource or work with a company like yours to elevate their marketing to a different level. Absolutely. It's a huge degree of separation. And that's what we're looking for is the people that want high growth firms and they want to have you know activity. Obviously, in our business, activity is king. You can't bring on new clients if you're not meeting with people. So that's where we help them with identifying the marketing opportunities that exist within their area, you know, whether that's connecting them with different centers of influence, like value-added services, uh, such as estate planning or, you know, working with CPAs, or if it's working with the media to get recognition and really become someone who's known and recognized as an expert or an authority in their field, or if it's you know, any, any other types of marketing channels like digital marketing or, you know, live events or virtual events. And MNO Marketing provides all of those services, does it? We do. So our initial function was really just as a brokerage. So for independent financial advisors here in the States, if they want to offer, you know, certain insurance products, life insurance products, or annuity products, they have to contract through a brokerage firm like ours. 
in order to have access to all of those different carriers as an independent. And that was really our main function, but there's been a paradigm shift in our industry where just just giving the back office support and the product support isn't enough. Mm -hmm. These advisors tend to need some sort of training. They need you know, help with marketing. They need help with branding. And uh, that's what we've built out here. So now we have fully functional creative marketing departments. We have our PR team that's in-house here. We have a seminar department. We have a Facebook advertising team. So we try to bring all of those resources in-house just to be a, a one-stop shop for the advisor who's looking to grow. Okay. One of the things that uh, I find as a marketing consultant, and I've been a marketing consultant now for getting on for eight years. Prior to that, I did a massively long stint in various uh, financial services institutions here in the United Kingdom as a marketing director. And one of the things I find today is that a lot of people think of marketing purely as promotion, advertising, and communication. And I get quite sad by the fact that we very rarely hear people talk about the customer or from a financial point, services point of view, I guess you would say the client. But you can't communicate unless you know who your customer oblique client is. And you can't communicate unless you've absolutely nailed what your product or your offer or your service is. Do MNO do the full strategic piece, the marketing mix, or are you just really focused more in on the communications aspects? No, we do the full mix. And there has really with with the rise of technology, there's been this move away from some of the foundations and principles that they would teach you when you're going to school for marketing. Uh, And I think that's just, you know, just a function of the evolution of the marketplace. Technologies come out, it's it's made it extremely easy to try to be a do-it-yourselfer. And that's why there's this this hyper focus on communication and just putting the message out there. But the problem with that is if your message isn't consistent or you don't know what your target client looks like or what experience they should be having, then those communications aren't going to hit the mark anyways. And that that can come with um, outsourcing services too. For instance, with our public relations, you know, uh, you could go out and hire an outside PR firm if you wanted to. It's extremely costly, but chances are those people do not specialize particularly in our sector either. So for them to come up with a tailored message or tailored content that's going to land with your audience, a lot of times it's missing the mark. Yeah, I've come. I've worked with quite a few agencies in the past where because they don't know the industry, you end up doing pretty much all the work anyway, having to educate them and you end up coming up with the messages that that yourself. So, so let's focus in a little bit more on PR. Now, David, just as a coincidence, when I was working in what I call big corporate, I guess PR was probably one of my favorite parts of the the marketing mix. Um, Back in the day when we actually used to meet journalists face to face, we used to take them out for coffee or for beer or for, or for lunch or dinner. That was always a great way to tell stories about the brands and to and to get case studies, client case studies across, and and hopefully pick up some some good coverage within the newspapers. These days, of course, it's all digital. It's all Zoom, and certainly since the pandemic, it's been less face to face and totally virtual. Um, so I, I've got a lot of empathy with the importance and the power 
of PR. Uh, but lots of different people have lots of different perceptions as to what PR actually is. So, so what's what's David Wright's definition of PR? Well, there are a lot of different forms of PR. And where we actually focus in on and specialize in is earned organic media. And the reason for that is because it's a degree of separation. There's, you know, endless, endless resources for paid to play scenarios. Uh, you can go out and hire outside PR firms or you can, you know, push out sponsored content. But what we find is that the consumer can easily identify the difference between sponsored contents and earned organic media. And that really defeats the purpose if the aim of your media campaign to begin with is to establish credibility. Now, I think that the sponsored content can work as a supplement to the earned media, but I don't, I don't think it's strong enough to stand on its own for our particular mission. Sure. In the United Kingdom, we call sponsored content advertorial, which I think actually reveals exactly what it is. You're, you're effectively creating an advert, which is disguised as an editorial. So how do we go about placing interesting stories, interesting case studies in that earned organic space? That's a great question, Roger. So what we do is we actually have our team in-house here. And if you walk over to their office, you can just, you get a sense of the buzz immediately. I mean, they have a TV on the wall that's running a constant loop of our advisors being featured in different in different news stations across the country from Tennessee to Boston to Detroit here. And they're working around the clock to secure these opportunities for the financial advisors who work with us. And what we're typically looking for is, A, they have to cultivate the relationships with the different journalists and editors and newsrooms, just like you were talking about earlier. But we're looking for um, sometimes it's that hit or miss opportunity, like if there's a black swan event. Uh, that's something where you know we need an instant response from an advisor to be able to capitalize on that event because tomorrow it'll be old news. Yeah. Or a lot of times we're coming up with some lighter, feel-good contents, and then we're trying to in- intertwine you know a financial concept around it, whether it's how to clear your holiday credit card debt or how to do a seasonal budget or, um, you know, how to budget in your holiday. And typically what we find is audiences actually really respond well to those lighter pieces. Mm. So, you know, that's what we're looking for is something that will land with the audience, but also will give us the content to repurpose for the advisor's business. Let, let, let's face it, financial services isn't the most interesting of industries. And, and over the decades, we haven't exactly made ourselves very interesting. But there are certain perceptions that the public have about financial services in the United Kingdom, which have actually long since been removed. I'll give you an example. Um, it's pretty established perception amongst the public that protection insurers, people who, companies that do life insurance, critical illness cover, disability income, there's this perception that they don't pay claims. And I think if you actually asked, or you did a survey of the public, they would probably say that insurance companies pay out around about between 50 and 60% of claims for those products. And therefore, there's always been quite a lot of 
bad publicity in the newspapers, articles about claims being declined, articles about the unfortunate circumstances of the individuals because their claims have been declined. But the actual figure is something like 98.5% of claims are paid. And yet the public still has this perception that, you know, at least half of the claims are turned down. And I have a theory about this. It's because the media always tend to focus in on negativity and those negative stories are out there. And if somebody has a belief that an insurance company isn't going to pay a claim, all they need to do is Google it and they'll find an article that supports them. It's called confirmation bias. So how do we, how do we start to get the media to promote the positive stories? Because that's a a, a timeless challenge that we f- we face here. So I'd be interested in your perspective on that. Yeah, that's a really tough question because uh, obviously the media has their own agenda for, yeah. you know, they, they have their own quotas that they need to hit. And unfortunately, we do suffer from some of the same, uh, you know, perceptions here in the States. Unfortunately, there's a lot of skepticism and doubt uh, when you start getting into financial advice and financial services. So we're working really hard to try to to try to spin that into something positive. But, uh, you know, you're really talking about trying to revolutionize the whole media industry if, if we're going to have them, you know, start putting out uh, all positive content and, and not do any you know, I maybe fear mongering is too harsh of a term, but, um, you know, having them spin the positive or, or at least report on the facts, actual facts. And I think part of that is, you know, sometimes that could be boring. Finance isn't the most exciting or entertaining topic for viewers. And a lot of times when you have advisors going on, on these different media outlets and they're giving their interviews or they're coming on as a, a special guest, a lot of times they're using all this industry jargon and they're talking over their audience's head. And I think that's uh, part of the problem as well. So we're trying to work with our advisors. And one of the ways that we've done that is we actually have an Emmy award-winning news anchor on staff here at Emma Doe Marketing who works hand in hand as a coach with financial advisors. So that they know how to go on and give that interview. But at the end of the day, they're not missing the message. They're explaining it in a way that the general public can understand what they're talking about. And the goal of the interview is to get people in your office. Yeah, I, I come across this all the time. It's, it's one of my mantras, David, that it doesn't matter wh- which industry you work in. It could be financial services, but it could be any. Every industry has its own language, its own jargon. And if you talk in that language, if you talk in that jargon to your customers, to your clients, then a lot of it is going to go over their heads. And and you owe it to your clients to be engaging and to talk in their language. And that often means taking it down to the simplest possible level. And, and, and you might feel a bit embarrassed about taking it down to the simplest level because you don't want to you don't want to patronize people. But on the whole, I find that if you do talk in simple language and assume that the client and the customer knows nothing, then they often appreciate it a lot more than if you assume that they know 
all the language and all the, on all of the complexity. So it's really good to hear that that, that that's a um, a feature of M and O marketing. So let's imagine that a financial advisor firm comes to you, comes to M and O marketing, and said, "Right, we want to put together a PR plan. What, what's the what's the stages that you would take them through?" Yeah, so our PR team actually has their own onboarding process. They're going to conduct an interview with that advisor. First thing that they're going to do before they even get to PR is they're going to go through our creative team to go through a brand analysis. Mm-hmm. Uh, because one thing that we find when we're pitching these advisors to the different outlets is they want to make sure that their brand reflects professionalism and that they can clearly and concisely tell who this advisor is and what it is that they specialize in. Uh-huh. So they're going to conduct that interview with the advisor to figure out what their media experience has been, if they've had any, you know, what types of topics they're comfortable with or what types of topics they'd like to speak to. And then from there, they're going to start rolling out a strategy of, hey, this is, we actually typically will start with national outlets first because yeah. we find that it's easier to, you know, get placements in the different national articles, whether that's Forbes magazine or Wall Street Journal. And then from that point, narrow it down to focus on their their actual marketplace where they're located. And and, and how does the plan develop? Are we talking about putting together placed articles, thought pieces? Are we talking about trying to get people to appear on TV shows, radio shows? What's the process? Yeah, it usually starts with um, with online publications. We find that's one of the easier things to begin with. Uh, so we'll start with online publications, which usually helps the advisors Google Analytics. And then we'll go into print. Uh, once we get into print articles, it's up to the advisor whether they're comfortable with TV or radio or you know whatever other medium they might want to use. But as they go along, we're also helping them repurpose every piece of content that they come out with, every every publication that gets published. We're helping them repurpose that into their social channels to drive traffic. We're placing it on the website for them. We're doing a push so that it's top to the uh, at the top of the Google search results. And we're giving them framed reprints of every publication that they do so that they can use that within their business. But uh, usually we say, we set the expectation, hey, if TV is something that interests you, we can usually break you into your market within about an 18-month turnaround. So then we get them on TV. We start uh, either looking for opportunities for financial-related topics or we start pitching you know, something uh, around that, that time of the season, whether it's you know, we're, we're heading into the holidays and we want to talk about managing that credit card debt or, hey, summer's around the corner, so we want to talk about budgeting for that vacation, that holiday. Um, so we're pitching them to get them on TV. If the advisor has a unique idea or concept that they really want to talk about, that's something that's very helpful too, because then we can put together a story surrounding that concept. One of the things that comes to mind is I had an advisor in San Diego who was you know, really, really hot on the concept of 1031 exchanges. And at the time we saw that there wasn't really a lot of people talking about those. Mm -hmm. So we were able to get him into the San Diego TV market. And once we have an advisor go on for their first TV interview, we have Roop, our news anchor, work with them and prepare them for that interview. Because the goal is we don't want just a one and done placement. We want you to come on as a reoccurring guest. 
Yeah, you want to establish that individual as a as a go-to spokesperson on this particular financial topic or, or whatever it might be, or, or even a thought leader. Absolutely. Yeah. So we work with them so that they, uh, you know, knock it out of the park when they do go on the interview. A, a lot of times we've seen in the past where the name of the advisor wasn't even on the screen when they were doing an interview. They just weren't prepared for live interviews. Uh, they didn't have their website on the name of, on the screen, or it was a website that was difficult to remember, which can be a complication. And we repurposed this into their marketing by, you know, sending them framed reprints for them to hang on their wall. So imagine you're a prospective client, you're meeting with this advisor for the first time. And as you go into their office, you're sitting in the lobby on their TV in their lobby in their waiting room. They have a loop of different interviews that they've been on. And then as you get up and you walk down the hall to go towards their meeting room, well, on that hall, top to bottom on one of the walls, you're going to see different placements that are framed from Wall Street Journal to Fox News to CNN to Kiplinger's. That makes a lasting impression. And that's really what we're going for is separating them from every other advisor who's doing you know, something similar to what they do in their marketplace. Could you talk me through an example of an advisor who's done particularly well out of the um, experience and the uh, coaching that you've given them? And they've actually become, I, w- I was going to say a star then, that's probably going a bit too far, but who, who's actually risen and become quite a personality in the media? Yeah, so our media department does a great job of that. Since uh, inception, we've reached $27 billion in terms of audience size. We've had over 300 plus TV features and around 5,000 other placements, uh, whether that's print or online publications. And there's an advisor here that's uh, about 30 minutes north of where I am in Michigan. And he has done exceptional with this. I mean, he repositions it into all of his marketing. Uh, We give them digital copies. So he uses it in his newsletter. He puts in a nice a personal piece about what his family's been up to for that week. And then he does an in-the-news blast every week saying, hey, these are the different outlets I've been featured in this week. He'll also use it on his social channels to do, um, you know, when he's doing interviews, he'll drive people to his social channels to fill out quizzes. Uh, Before he actually makes an appearance, he'll say, hey, you know, I'm going on TV at 5 p.m. today. These are the two ties that I might wear. Can you help me pick out my favorite tie? So he's creating this <laughs> online engagement too. Um, but he's grown in a short amount of time from somebody who is doing $5 million in new assets on an annual basis to now he does $100 million in new assets on an annual basis within less than a 10-year time frame. And can you give me any examples of of, uh, what people shouldn't do? Uh, I mean, again, I I think a lot of people do have perceptions of the media. And I think it's still often that advisors, indeed anybody, can be a little bit afraid of talking to journalists because they may have this perception that the journalist just wants to trip them up and get them to say the wrong thing so that they can put out a scary headline about them. But are there any things that advisors really shouldn't be doing when they're looking to create a media profile. Yeah. And there really is that fear of the unknown when advisors first get involved with the media, because if they don't have that prior experience, you know, it typically dissipates after one or two interviews, but we're in a highly regulated industry on top of that. 
So of course, you're always going to be concerned about what you might say or putting some kind of target on your back. But you know, these journalists, these editors, uh, the news anchors, they're not going into this with negative intention. No. They want their show to be successful. Um, you know, it's not like they're looking for dirt on the advisor. They're just, <laughs> they're just looking for someone to have friendly banter with at the, the end of the day and leave their audience with some key takeaways. So I think once the advisors start to do those interviews, that really just that that fear disappears a little bit. But uh, some of the don'ts that I see that are very common mistakes are don't get involved with media without a clear strategy of how that's going to affect your client experience at the end of the day Mm -hmm. or who your target client is. I mean, those are really just uh, business one on one. But so many advisors time and time again, overlook those steps when they're getting out and, and starting their own firm. Another thing that you don't want to do is just go into it with sponsored content right off the bat. Yeah, I uh, don't want to, you know, go into it with topics that aren't relevant to your specialization. Um, when you go on TV, you don't want to you know, go do the interview without making sure that they are putting your name out there and that they're putting your website out there and your social channels and that you're you're not creating a call to action when you're doing those interviews. You've probably answered this question already, David, in, in what you've just said there, but I always ask this question on the Marketing and Finance podcast. What's the one thing that you would like the listeners of the Marketing and Finance podcast to take from the experience you've had working with m and but also because we've been talking specifically about PR today, about PR? What, what's the one big thing? Yeah, I would say that uh, financial advisors should not be afraid to lean on their partners. You know, typically they have a broker dealer or an RIA or, you know, I don't know if you guys in the UK have insurance brokerage firms like M&O Marketing, but you have these strategic alliances already built into just the way that you have to do business. Yeah. So don't try to be a jack of all trades and a master of none. You know, don't, don't spend your time in areas that you are not really hyper hyper-focused on and aren't revenue creating activities for you. Build that team around you. Don't be afraid to delegate. Um, and when you're working with the media, make sure that you're using that to actually drive new business to your firm. Don't just do it for, you know, just for bragging rights to say, hey, this <laughs> is something that I've done. <laughs> no, that's great advice, David. That's great advice. And and as you, as I said to you earlier on, PR is a particularly uh, favorite part of the marketing mix for me. So I agree with a lot of the things that we've talked about this afternoon. Now, I'm hoping that people who have been listening to the show today uh, may be interested in finding out a little bit more about this thing called PR and how it can help them to grow their businesses and also to help them find more clients. So tell me what's the best way that people should get in touch with you, David? Yeah. So you can always go to our website at mandomarketing.com. That's mandomarketing.com. You can find me on all of the social channels on Facebook. It's uh, David Wright of Mando Marketing. And my last name is W-R-I-G-H-T. Uh, and on Instagram, it is Team David at Mo Marketing. And then on LinkedIn, you can connect with me. I'd love to add you to my network at David Wright WMS. So I do have my wealth management specialist designation as well here. But I would love to talk to you about your practice and where media might be a good fit for your marketing mix. Uh, 
one thing I can also add is that consistency with media is extremely important. So if that's mm-hmm. something that you're going to add to your marketing, make sure that it's a long-term commitment because we're looking to really saturate the marketplace with your messaging. And that's why it's so important to know what's unique about your process so that not only you can articulate that, but now you have these legitimized third parties reinforcing your messaging. Absolutely. And it goes back to what I said earlier about some of those negative perceptions that the public have about financial services. I think one of the ways that we can overcome that in the long term is to flood the market with positive stories. And the more positive case studies there are in the media, the more positive TV shows there are, eventually we will start to wash away some of those negative perceptions. So great to have you on the show this afternoon, David. Really great to talk to you, despite the time difference. And thanks for coming on the show. It's been great. And let me wish you every success in the future. Thank you for having me, Roger. It was a great discussion. I look forward to hopefully doing it again in the future. Thanks, David. Thanks for listening to the Marketing and Finance Podcast. If you need help with your marketing, please get in touch at rogeredwards.co.uk. I'd love to work with you. In the meantime, keep marketing your business to keep growing your business. (laughs) 